Welcome to the Ignatius Press Podcast. I'm Mark Brumley. I hope you enjoy the discussion in this episode. For more information about Ignatius Press, check out our website at ignatius.com. Hello, good afternoon. My name is Rose Trabick, and I'm the publicist for Ignatius Press. I am joined here today by one of our authors, Don Butner. She is an adult convert to the Catholic faith. She was an engineer before becoming a technical writer and writing this beautiful new book, which hopefully everybody can see here. It's called Saints Becoming an Image of Christ Every Day of the Year. Thank you so much for joining us today, Don. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting me, Rose. Yes, I'm so glad that you joined us. I've been working on this book for several months and I've really enjoyed going through it and learning more about the saints, working it into my daily life. So I'm really excited to be talking to you about it today. Um, So we just celebrated All Saints Day, which is, I think, a great time to talk about this book. And one of the things that I noticed that you wrote in the preface was you were talking about Saint, I believe, Athanasius Mm -hmm. and his life and talking about what do I have in common as a modern woman with some of these saints from throughout the ages? This book covers, I think, well over a thousand saints from many centuries. And so what do you have to say to someone who says, why should I learn about the saints? What do I have in common with them? Oh, well, see, that's, that's the thing that attracted me the most to the saints. And so I, as I said, as you said, I'm an adult convert. I, um, I didn't know anything about the saints when I became a, a, a Catholic. I thought I'll, I found a one a day version of Butler's Lies of the Saints that I read, that I read through. And I thought, you know, this would be a good way to get to know all these saints people found. People knew about. But my experience with reading about St. Athanasius was um, uh, briefly his story is he was a bishop of Alexandria. So you can think of it as like a, the bishop of New York City. He was a huge city. He was very influential and he was brilliant. And there was a heresy called Arianism that was popular at the time. And um, Athanasius wrote beautifully against it. And so for as a result of explaining the faith beautifully, he got sent into exile six times. And as I'm reading this book, I thought, um, if I was doing what I thought God wanted and I got sent into exile and the emperor was trying to kill me, I don't know what I would do. Right. <laughs> I think I would, I would give up. I'd become a gardener. I do something else completely. I, why would I want to keep being a bishop or in charge of anything? I would just run away. So at that moment I realized, well, St. Athanasius has something to offer me, which is perseverance. Um, that, that, and that, that leads me to all the other things. It, it has seemed to me that every saint has, um, uh, an ability to you know draw a re- direct line from me to Jesus Christ because right. uh, Jesus lived at a time with tax collectors and fishermen. I don't interact with tax collectors and fishermen on my daily life, but saints can show me how I can live out some of the same problems um, that they have. I have. It is mm-hmm. very helpful to me as a Christian to turn to the saints because they. Um, I'm slow and stupid, and sometimes if you see someone else walking the same path, then you can make the right decision. Right. And sometimes it's easy to think, oh, problems were so different then or, you know, but really we all struggle with the same things. Perseverance, you mentioned, I think is a big one. Um, So really, there's always going to be things that we can look to in the lives of the saints to imitate in our own lives, no matter when they lived. And we all struggle with the same things, even (laughs) even in this day. So uh, I think that's a great answer. Um, The subtitle of this book is Becoming an image of Christ every day of the year. 
And I just wanted to show everyone what I think is the beauty of this book is that all of these saints, I'm going to hold it up again here. Hopefully everyone can see there's a lot. And this is only a couple pages. Everything is in chronological order, um, which I think is just really great. So easy to work into your daily life. Um, and you also feature, I think, at least three, sometimes four saints from each day. And the descriptions are short and concise, um, which I love because it's just you could just pull it open and, and read from it. Um, so moving on to talking about how to use this book in your daily prayer life, I just wanted to read this, what I thought was a very powerful quote from the beginning of your book. You write, I rewrote the saints biographies so that they would help me pray. While we can read individual biographies to learn about the saints in depth, we also need collections of saints to help us talk to God about our own seemingly insurmountable struggles. So when you wrote this, did you imagine people working this into their daily prayer life? Oh, well, the partially, yes, because because really, as I um, as I have, uh, I, I think I talked to you before uh, about this. I wrote this book for me. Because I realized I really like, so the first Butler's Lie of the Saints version book that I found only had one saint a day. And then I found out there's more than one saint every day. Right? The <laughs> there's so many. There are dozens, there are hundreds on some days of the year. And how can you choose? So I, when I collected these, 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 this was really for me. It's because I found these saints to be inspirational for one reason or another. And they're right. celebrated by the church on that day. So why not? Turn to them every day. So I really did envision it as something that, because because the way I use it, I, I mean, before it was a book printed by Ignatius Press, God bless you. <laughs> it was a bunch of pieces of paper that I would sit down and pray with every day. But you wow. can put it on your bedside table. You can, you know, what time of the day, whatever time of the day you happen to be able to use it. You can sit down and, and learn from the saints every day. Um, uh, but as, as you said, I tried to make them short enough that they would be something you could sit down with on a daily basis, but not so short that it's like not meaningful. Um, you can get, you know, a very right. brief description doesn't help you recognize, you know, link it to your own life. Right, um, right. That's that's great. And I want to remind people that if you're watching with us, um, you can hopefully type in a question and we'll be able to see it. And um, I can certainly read those to Dawn. And so ask away if you have any questions. Um so you talk, you touch a little bit about how you were kind of using your pieces of paper with your notes written on it um, to help you. That is actually brings me to the next question, the process of writing this book. Um, how did you find all this material? Um, you mentioned the, the very well-known Butler's Lives of the Saints. Were there, what other books did you draw from? How did you pick who was going to be on each day? <laughs> uh, so... Um... So part of the answer is, so the church actually has a book called the Martyrologium Romanum, which is only available in Latin. The latest version is only available in Latin that lists all the saints that they, uh, saints and blesseds that are you know approved by the church for celebration. Mm -hmm. So uh, long before I knew there was such a thing, I had, I had collected a bunch of um, uh, saints books. You know, some of them, uh, most of them, you know, collected with uh, a saint a day. Some of them had more. And then there's Butler's Lives of the Saints, which is multiple variations. Butler's Lives of the Saints, for those who don't know, was written like in the 1600s. It was seriously revised in the beginning of the 20th century by uh, uh, Father Thurston um, in a beautiful translation. It's you know, got these beautifully witty um, British turns of phrase that I uh, that really sucked, that draw, drew me in. Um, but there are other there are other versions of of, um, uh, of different saints books out there. So 
picking out the, so what I did was I picked out the ones that, um, that most attracted me because I could relate to them somehow. So another thing that's unique about my book is that at the end of each uh, entry, I have a, a prayer petition because I feel like just reading about a saint, that's lovely. But then, you know, after you've learned about, say, St. Athanasius, you have to, have to do something with that. So we ask St. Athanasius, you know, give me your perseverance because clearly you've got, pl you had plenty. Um, right. uh, so same thing, um, you know, that's how I, I came up with the collection of the, of the book. That's great. And like you mentioned, there is that little prayer at the end. And when I first opened the book and I started reading through it, um, and then I was like, wow, I can definitely imagine myself reading this every day. So it, it got a coveted place on my nightstand with my prayer books. And then when I started reading the entries for each day, you know, you have like maybe a paragraph for each one. And then the, that prayer that you were talking about, just a short little one line. And I really did do that. I just tried to like close my eyes, read the prayer and kind of think about whatever virtue that saint um, was well known for and how it could apply to my life. So that was really powerful. I really loved how you worked in those prayers. Well, and and it doesn't, I mean, that's, that's the way it touched me. I had a hard time because I thought there are some of them I would have phrased a little differently if it was a book written just for moms like me. Mm -hmm. um, but I realized, no, there might be men who want to read this. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, I think and, and, yeah, a priest might, and a priest might approach it very differently too. Um, right. I get something very different out of it too. But right. the point is, okay, so if you don't care for my prayer, then make up your own. <laughs> right, right. And actually you mentioned priests using it. That actually brings me to another point is that I could definitely see this being used in parishes. Um, you know, I don't know if you had any ideas about that, but, um, you know, maybe like if there was a retreat going on or a talk or something just to, for the priest or the people that work at the parish to have the book and to just open it up to the day and maybe read and discuss those saints for the day. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be, a, that would be a possibility. I, yeah, I, I mean, my, my parish priests love the saints. So I, I, um, uh, I, I hear about them anyway, either way. Right. And I can also imagine teachers using this in schools, mm -hmm. you know, every day, just kind of opening it up, talking about a little bit about the saints, reading the prayers, keeping it really short. Um, so lots of great ways to use this book besides at home for your prayer life. Um, you had also talked about, I believe, in the preface that you decided to include or try to include at least one martyr every day. Um, why was that? Okay. Well, well, I should back up and I should clarify. You said there are at least three saints. I only, my, my, my rule was I want to have at least one saint every day plus a martyr. Mm, um, okay. So there's like, who's the biggest saint of that day most or most motivational, most well-known um, whatever. And then a martyr. And that is because uh, what I learned, you know, as a, as a convert to the faith, I had never really thought about this, but the martyrs really ground you mm. make you realize like, you know, our world could be really upset, you know, really lots of chaos, you know, difficulties in our world, but the martyrs have gone through this before. This is not really new. Um, right. Uh, the, the, the mar the, the right, martyrs, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Martyrs um, show you. Well, and the other thing I realized there was a point shortly after I read that part about St. Athanasius, I realized every phrase of the creed that we say on Sunday, somebody has died for some phrase wow. in the creed. Think about that, that, you know, things we take for granted, like I believe in God, the father, well, there are people who have died for that. Um, wow. So if you see it that way, then you realize, no, it, it's not, I think we tend with martyrs in particular to think of them as just, oh, so special. You know, they barely, you know, they walked on the air when they were alive, you know, they were just so perfect, but they mm -hmm. were just like you and me. I think you could argue that God's grace, you know, propelled them through 
um, you know, their final you know encounter with uh, you know with all the tortures or whatever difficulty they went underwent uh, they went through. Um, but uh, but at the same time, they were people like us faced with decisions. I mean, you know, do you do this or do you that? You know, do, do you stand up for your faith or do you walk away? Mm-hmm. So it makes my life seem much more like theirs when I look at the martyrs. Yes. And I think that's that's so important to keep in mind um, is how many people have died for our faith. And it's yeah. not necessarily something, at least in our, you know, right now that we are facing, but that all over the world, there are people facing martyrdom. And then even though we may not be called to that, sometimes we have, I believe it's called a white martyrdom where mm-hmm. you, you know, may not be that you're called to give your life, but there, you know, maybe you lose your job for standing up for the truth. Maybe yeah. you're persecuted. Maybe you're ostracized by your family or by people that you care about. And I think that is definitely something that we can relate to right now um, in our culture. Yeah. Oh, so, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely good to have those examples. I guess if you're facing something like that to think, well, you know what? God gave these people the grace and he's going to give me the grace too. Exactly. Yeah. And it can be something very simple, like just, you know, you know, making a comment, you know, you know, wearing ashes on your forehead to work, you know, but that those little things are the same things that the martyrs did. Right. Exactly. Um, so one of the things I wanted to ask you about was when you were writing this book, surely you found some really interesting stories. <laughs> I mean, the saints were diverse. They were colorful. They were characters often. What I was just wondering if you could share this, maybe some stories of like some saint stories that you were like, wow, I never knew that before. That's really odd or that's really <laughs> different. <laughs> Yes, actually. So there are some saints, sadly, where all we know is just like a few sentences, but there are other saints we've got a lot more information about. And the first one um, that comes to mind is St. Joseph of Cupertino, which I suppose Mm -hmm. most people have heard. Well, for those who haven't, he was um, um, Capuchin, Franciscan. He he was of the Franciscan family order. He was a friar. And I think if you go back um, and if we, you know, if we brought him forward in time and put him in front of a, you know, a teacher today, they'd probably say he had autism or, um, or ADD. He was one of those. He was not a quick learner. He's not a smart, you know, not apparently very intelligent. But he was so humble that God did this amazing thing of, of, of allowing him to levitate when he was praying. And uh, as Butler's Lies of the Saints puts it, it's, you know, there's no, and he was writing this before Padre Pio. Um, mm-hmm came along. No reason, no saint has so many reasonably authenticated miracles as does St. Joseph of Cupertino, these experiences of him wow. levitating during prayer. And you have to step back and say, well, why, why did God do that? And, you know, it's, it's not a magic trick. It, it, I think it was to show us, you know, you think he's a dummy, but mm-hmm. he's not a dummy to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's special to me because he's so humble because he loves me so much. So Joseph Cupertino, he really did fly. Maybe not quite like they show it in that 1950s movie, but he did fly <laughs> yes. um, in prayer. Um, another um, one that uh, for my children uh, always like uh, is the Cinderella saint, Saint Clotilda. She was literally a slave in the household of the King of France, and she married the King of France and became the queen. So she literally became a servant and went all the way to, uh, to the queen and she converted her husband. You know, she, she was a Christian. She converted her husband, brought him to the faith. So he became the first Catholic King of England, which set up a, a not England, sorry, France. I don't know what, what I've been saying, a Catholic King of France. And that last, you know, his, 
his example lasted for centuries. So in a way, she opened the door for this flowering of the faith in France. Wow. Another um, famous one uh, is um, beloved of children is Moses the Black. Have you heard his story? There's a I have not. I love hearing these. These are some of these I haven't heard before. So, <laughs> so Moses the Black, um, uh, he was from Africa. He was a thief and a robber. He was not, he was like St. Paul, only like not interested in the faith so much as interested in like money. Um, and to get away from the authorities, he went and hid in a monastery. I believe this was in Egypt. Um, so he really wasn't like doing this for pious reasons, but God got him, God converted him. Um, and he became a monk and he lived. So the there is a, a humorous um, uh, kids version of his story, which says that robbers broke into the the monastery, and you know he knew exactly he was a former robber. He he knew exactly <laughs> what they were there for, and he you kind of picked him up, brought him to the abbot, and said, "What do you want to do with him now?" Right. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how much I'm not sure about all the details of that. It could be somewhat humorous, but we you know I believe the end at the end of his life, robbers did break into his monastery, and having been converted by Christ, he refused to take up arms, and they killed him. Um, so he's an inspiration, but you know, that you can go from a, a robber to a, you know, to a very holy man. Um, right. um, so those are some of them. Um, I mean, I can go on for a long time. I'm, I'm oh, very, sure. of, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Germaine Pibrac. She's, um, Saint, she's, a, a another French saint who was born, um, with a lot of, um, uh, deformities. You know, her mother died mm -hmm. shortly after she was born. Um, she had um, scoliosis and, uh, you know, deformed hand and, mm. um, you know, was was a very, you know, physically disabled child. And her stepmother hated her and made her sleep in the barn. Um, and, but she was, and she was left in charge of the sheep. Um, she went, but, but she loved our Lord. So she would leave her sheep, you know, ask her guardian angel to take care of them. <laughs> and then she would run to mass. And the sheep were all safe when she came back, which is like a minor miracle there. At the end of her life, there's a, another beautiful story that uh, we've probably heard from other, other saints where her mother was chasing her and saying that she had stolen something, stolen some bread, and she was going to give bread to the poor. And when she hit her, out popped roses in the middle of December. So her family realized they had a saint, and, and they, they behaved a little nicer to her at the end, um, but she died um, uh, she died alone as a young woman, but once, it, but I think of her as a great pro-life saint because she shows the dignity of every human being. You know, a, a number of these saints, you would think that they're, you know, you know, the sort of people you'd give up on, you cast them away. Um, but God worked miracles through them because they were humble and they loved him. Wow. So, and that's, and since I could go on for a very long time. <laughs> yes. And, and like I said, I believe that you have well over a thousand saints. Um, I don't know if you know the exact number offhand. I'm putting you on the spot there, but yeah, so it, it's, there's a lot of saints and so many of them I hadn't heard of, which I loved because there just was so much to learn. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of saints and a lot of interesting, colorful stories. And I, and I love that and sometimes we think the saints, they were just, you know, so holy and perfect their whole lives, but a lot of them really did have these, really incredible conversions and they had been through a lot. They had, you know, led lives that were not holy and then something happened and they had a moment of conversion and were set on that path to growing in holiness every day. Yeah. And, and I would also add to that. Um, it's not only that, you know, maybe they weren't um, 
uh, it wasn't that they were bad so much as they had ordinary problems. Like say Teresa right. of Lisboa. Right. I mean, that woman is right. just a powerhouse. She was so pure, so holy, but right. she had difficulties too. I mean, it wasn't right. like she just waltzed through life without any problems. I mean, her mother died when she was, I think, four. Um, she came in a comfortable family, but you know, she was, I, I think you could argue she was somewhat traumatized by the loss of her mother. Um, so uh, Eve, all the saints had problems just like we do. We just, right. I think there's a tendency to just think, oh, they just sailed through life and everything was just perfect for them. And no, it was not. And sometimes there's a tendency when people write about them to kind of gloss over that, um, especially, you know, there. I can think of some books that I've read where I was like, did they have any problems? <laughs> so it's, it's always kind of, I find it comforting when you actually kind of know that, yes, they did have these struggles and this is how they overcame them or handled them. Um, and I think that's important. And I know that you, you discuss that in the book um, when you're describing the saints, you know, the things they went through. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I tried as much as possible to make them human. I mean, I, right. I, um, the, so as you say, there are, I love saint books. They're all wonderful. Um, but it is possible to tell a saint story in such a way that you just think they're so perfect that they didn't have any troubles. Um, and it is helpful to see our, you know, that, that we have some relationship with them. Right. And sometimes I even think of um, like one example of that to me, you mentioned St. Therese. There's some things I used to read about her and I was kind of like, Hmm, she doesn't, she doesn't seem like she struggled that much, but I feel like late, more recently those struggles, especially in reading the letters of her mother, um, Zelly, where you, she actually talks about the difficulties she had with her as a child, what a challenge it was, um, mm -hmm. and the struggles that Therese had. And I just found, I find that so helpful, especially now that I have children. And I'm like, oh, since so she wasn't perfect little Therese, <laughs> she yeah. did have her struggles. Um, so I love, I love when you kind of, you know, read about those. And so thank you for, for doing yeah. that um, yeah. throughout the book. Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on was this, idea of historical fact versus legend in the lives of the saints. Um, so basically what I'm talking about, especially when you're looking at some of the older saints from, from many centuries ago, there's kind of almost like these legends associated with them. Um, and, you know, like sometimes when I'm talking to my kids about the saints, they're like, did that really happen? And I'm like, well, some of it might be a legend, but how did you handle that? Um, throughout, as you were writing the descriptions of the saints? Well, uh, so first of all, we have to back up. I, I have the same reaction. So my maiden name is Irish. So, and I have come to be you know, Celtic saints. Uh, you just kind of have to like <laughs> float it across what on the floating stone? Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How does that, what is that? Are you sure? So yeah. you have, so you do need to be a little bit, um, uh, I don't want to say skeptical, but cautious, not, not uncritically, um, reading what you have to, what you're hearing. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, so, so, so sometimes you can compare different stories and kind of see if everyone agrees, is this where it really came from? Sometimes you can kind of see, well, what are they trying to point to? Mm. Is there a reason that they're telling you this story um, uh, to point to, um, so like uh, Pope, Fab so I, I was just reading, believe it or not, just a few hours ago, Pope Fabian was an early church Pope, um, and it's, there's a, an ancient story that says that as they were meeting to elect a pope, um, a dove landed on his head. And he was already a cardinal, I, I believe. Um, and that was a, everyone took that as a sign that he was um, supposed to be the right pope. And they elected him. So did that really happen? I don't know. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Right. Um, but you can also look back and find and you know that the uh, contemporary writers about his, that pope say that um, he was the perfect man for that time. He was like, mm-hmm. there were a lot of difficulties that were going on in the church at that time. Um, uh, they needed a strong leader who could make decisions and wasn't afraid of the powers that be that were over, that were trying to control the church. Mm. And he was the perfect man at that time. So did a, a dove really land on his head? Maybe. Or it could be that, you know, this was the way of future of later people, even the people who was his contemporary saying, well, clearly he was the he was the right person given to us by the Holy Spirit, that he was blessed by the Holy Spirit from the beginning because, mm-hmm. you know, he was the perfect man for the job. So mm-hmm. I think you can relate these stories and try to see if they help you understand the person better, um, whether or not they were exactly true. We don't know. Now, at the same time, you know, you can go forward in time and look at Padre Pio. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if Padre Pio right. lived a thousand years ago, we'd say, oh, people were just so skeptical. How could they possibly believe he was... You know, that he was uh, uh, stigmatic. He had the stigmata for decades. He'd be dead. I mean, it can't possibly be so. He's a priest. So, but the fact that he's a modern saint, and we know that he was rigorously examined, you know, by the doctors. Not that people a thousand years ago were so stupid that they didn't know to check these things out. Um, we should have records of them sometimes. So, so you do have to kind of, you know, um, give them sometimes give people the benefit of the doubt that the people back then they did know what they were talking about. Right, exactly, and I and I think that's really an important distinction. You know, the more modern saints, we really do have very good records and you know evidence of these miracles and of different things, even like the details about their lives. Some of the other saints we don't have as much because it was so long ago. But even if there is a legend, that doesn't mean it's not worth sharing because it's pointing to a deeper meaning even if we don't know exactly what happened this legend um represents something that is a deeper idea or virtue that they were um showing people um and it doesn't mean we just throw away those legends so i think that's a great explanation don thank you for that um i did want to just quickly mention i know we're getting closer to the end of the interview here but in the back of the book you also have different appendices about different topics. And I'm just wondering why, in addition to all of these uh, lives of the saints, did you feel like you needed to include those? And what did you include? So uh, as I said, when I first started learning about saints, I knew nothing about them. There are some church terms. I didn't know what they were like. What's the difference between a cardinal bishop and a cardinal priest and um, benefice? was A lot. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, what's the, um, you know, what are all these religious orders that everybody seemed to know about? Um, and they, then they differ. I mean, there's a huge difference between a Dominican and a Dominican priest, say, and a mem- member of a teaching order of religious sisters. I mean, they're very right. different. Right. So, um, so I thought, you know, I've, I've, I've collected all this stuff, this information about the saints, but then you might still be like, well, what does that mean? So there's a place for you to go to find out, oh, that's what this order is. Me, this that's where this order comes from. This is who founded it. Um, this is their their charism. What are their what is their real gift to the church? Because there's you know, and a huge difference between Capuchins and um and uh, well the, uh, and the Jesuits. I mean, just that, right, yeah, right. So the religious orders, the order does matter. Um, also like, and then as I was as I was finally collecting all this, I realized, you know, we think of um there being so many martyrs in the early church. Well, as I'm going through and collecting this, I realized you can see, you know, you can track uh, the danger of being a Christian, of, a, of a, being a Catholic 
by the number of martyrs over a period of time. So in the back, I have, for example, I have a table that lists, um, you know, like where was there persecution of Christians at what period of time? And it comes right up to today. It does. There's a lot like there was there was not some golden age where nobody was killing Christians, <laughs> unfortunately. Right. Um, my my so so there all of that is like supplementary information, so you can refer back to it and kind of put these saints in context. That's part of the the you know the point of it is not just knowing about the saint, but knowing um, uh, what that person offered at that time so that you can right. apply it to yourself. And it's amazing. There's a lot of great information back there in the back of the book that you can reference and look up if you have questions. So I, I found that extremely helpful. Um, so I think we're about to wrap up here in a minute or two, but before we go, I just wanted to know who is your favorite saint? Do you have it? Or, can, or if you can't narrow down to one, maybe just your favorite, your two favorite saints. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, um, it's hard to choose a favorite. It's like choosing who's your favorite child. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but as at the very, I will, I will pick one. I don't usually like to pick one, but as at the very end of editing the book, I realized I got to go back um, because I tried to keep the biographies fairly short and I kind of gave myself away with St. John of the Cross because mm. his entry is really long. <laughs> yes. I, don't I understand St. John of the Cross completely because he was so holy and so brilliant. Uh, but I do love him because he's a, a, a beautiful witness to how you can in, you can be joyful in your suffering and someday I hope to be able to do that <laughs> so. well that's that's great and I know like you said it, it is really hard to pick your favorite um, which is why it's great that we have this great book we can learn every day about different saints and maybe find some new favorites too as we're as we're reading it so yeah. yeah so I just wanted to hold up the book one more time again the book that we're talking about today is here we go saints becoming an image of Christ every day of the year and I just love this cover it's just absolutely beautiful um, and this book is available wherever books are sold or at your local Catholic bookstore ignatius.com and we hope that you will check it out so thank you so much Don for being with us it was a great conversation I learned a lot especially about some of those more obscure saints you talked about and um Thanks so much. Oh, thank you for inviting me. This podcast has been brought to you by Ignatius Press. We encourage you to check out our books and videos at your local Catholic bookstore or wherever else books and videos are sold. You can also sign up to receive special discounts on books and videos at ignatius.com. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please like the podcast on the website or app from which you listen to it. And please tell your friends about it. I'm Mark Brumley, and on behalf of everyone at Ignatius Press, thanks for listening.